Good evening and welcome to episode 9 of the 3 on 3 podcast. Before we do the introductions, we've hit the thousand mark in listens. So thank you to each and every one of you who's probably had an hour to waste and listened to us three and guests who know what they're talking about, uh, garble on about hockey. And we'd also like to welcome to the party Mauritius. We've had listeners um, over there. I just hope it's not someone's honeymoon and you've wanted to listen to us because that would be a bit weird. I'm sure my uh, esteemed uh, friends will agree me on that one. So we'll introduce the elder of the parish, John, and I think happy Scott this week. Do you just want to confirm that, Scott? Oh, yes. Oh. I'm not actually sure that I feel the same as you, Bobby and Mauritius. If one someone's honeymoon with them, <laughs> and they're spending the honeymoon evening with us, that's kind of like a bit of a, a cool thing, isn't it, really? It is, but if you're there on your honeymoon... You're there to enjoy your honeymoon. Nothing about three boys from all over the country talking crap. <laughs> Not at all. You've got, you've got, you know, 50 weeks of the year to do that. Um, however <laughs> yeah. long you're... Uh, we'll still be doing the same crap next week, won't we, Jeremy, or week after. Non-stop. Well, welcome to the party, Mauritius, anyway. <laughs> so, um, another weekend um, of hockey. Um, we are nearly at the end of the Challenge Cup, would you believe? <coughs> I thought we'd done. It was all done and dusted. And then Scott chirped up. No, we've got two more games. However, uh, wins for Cardiff, uh, Sheffield, um, Coventry in the league, um, and Belfast. We'll mention that bit more in the show, because if you don't know the score, you'll understand why. Um, In the Cup, a quiet night in Manchester. Uh, With Manchester taking the the win 6-4 against Sheffield. Well, I'm going to say straight up, 10 goals, 80% of the goals on the power play. I don't think I've ever known a game to have such a high percentage of power play goals. Uh, Manchester couldn't follow it up the day after in Nottingham with Nottingham winning 5-4. Uh, gents, what was your highlights of the weekend? I'm speechless. It takes a lot to get me speechless, doesn't it, to be fair? Scott, write it down. No, it's <laughs> Uh, obviously, I've seen the results, obviously, over the weekend. I must be honest, I haven't seen much hockey this weekend. I've been a bit busy and haven't even looked at any much highlights, to be honest with you, other than sort of seeing updates. I've not got a lot to offer other than still a bit sort of uh, shocked by goings on over in Northern Ireland, uh, which, again, we'll talk about in a bit more detail later. Um, I was impressed with, with Guildford, I must be honest. I thought Saturday when they were losing up in Fife. Uh, it's a little provocative tweet about, oh, the wheels are falling off, you know, half half serious half thinking well let's see what they're made of and fair bit they came back and they won in five and they did another win obviously yesterday so they're back on track with four points um, we'll talk about Manchester a bit later on because I've got some thoughts on that as well and commentary another four point weekend so all in all some uh, happy and some sad fans over the league obviously and before I bring Scott in apologies to Guildford they did have a four point weekend it'd be rude for us not to mention it because we've actually had a fair bit of interaction from Guildford fans We've proved it now, they exist. So welcome aboard. Um, Scott? Yeah, uh, Blaze, four-point weekend. Um, I questioned them the other week about character and whether we get the results and you've got to win the games against the, the teams around us, and we, we did that. Uh, my highlight of the weekend is uh, I want to give a, a quick shout-out to the Belfast fans who have uh, started a, a fan-led group about mental health. Um, it's not weak to speak. Uh, we're going to have John Smith on to discuss it a bit further. But for me, it's um, it's important to talk. Um, would I say I talk myself? No. But what I do is I channel it into this. This this podcast for me has really helped my mental health. I I put my heart and soul into it, and it really is something I look forward to every week. So whether you can't talk or you want you're not sure, just try and find like a, a goal for yourself to do. And um, yeah, let's go from there. I fully, fully agree. Um, and we could spend justifiably a fair amount of time on that topic and hockey in general. And like say, we'll have um, the silky voice of, of John Smith next week, which I'm looking forward to that alone, never mind the topics that will go on. Um but we'll, we'll also share the link that they did. It's a fantastic initiative. And like I say, we'll get more, more information on that uh, on next week's episode. Um, 
So, you know, that's a, it's a fantastic thing that they're doing. Um, my highlight, it's got to be the car crash in Altrigham. That whole game. And I was working at, um, a bonfire night at the local cricket club. So I was getting the highlights and on text of the scores and then watching the highlights and watching the videos. What? Just what the fuck? <laughs> Just what the actual fuck? Um, and I'm, let's go into this because I'm just going to get off the chest. Uh, these these two got the blunter version of what I'll say tonight, um, <laughs> with words that we are not we don't allow um, on this podcast. So you can imagine what was said in a description ways. So everyone knows that Dave Phillips' two game ban was going to run up. His first game back was at Altrincham. Good timing, and as in hockey. The phrase you answer the bell is appropriate. Did that happen for me? No. Not a fucking chance. Did a player jump Dave Phillips to make him answer what he did? Yes. Now, we've watched different leagues, and I appreciate John's seen more NHL where it happens, and, and the, the tough guys will give the person who's answering, you're going, you're, no choice, it's happening proper answering the bell did that happen by Rudy? not a chance um, I'm, I'm sorry it was, it, I have no issue with answering the bell Dave Phillips will have known he has to answer the bell did that was that done in that manner? was it fuck? it was an apt, it was poor poor play um, it gives some of the Nottingham my apologies Manchester fans uh, some enjoyment but that was just shit um, and you know, the rest of the game, Orville, um, great player, good scorer, lay off the stick work. If you're going to do a, a, an interesting slash at the face-off when you're battling, don't then be surprised when people go, no, we don't like that. Um, so I, I just, and then afterwards, so the bit that really pissed me off afterwards was the same minority of fans, and I stress the minority of fans from Manchester, because we know a heck of a lot of good Manchester fans um, and we'll, we will get one in the next few weeks we'll get we'll try and get one on just to give them a, a form of balance of reply but the, the same percentage that was crying like a bitter ex about Dave Phillips's hit not because of the hit but because he left them seven years ago and one of them actually admitted it he was so wound up and he kept going on this platform about how oh, it's awful it's this and when he was challenged aye because you left us are you serious one player left seven years ago, and you're it's like, oh, go on, piss off. And they're the same ones that was happy, it was great, what you wanted to see. Really? Is that what you want to see? No. Crap. Get it in the bin. Have the tough guys do it properly. Make them answer the bell. But you know, you know what? Not after they've just literally got rid of the puck. Oh, shit, there's a guy on there. That's not answering the bell. Far from it. And I'd say that if roles reverse. Do it properly, guys. And you know what? I'll still stand up and say, well done, you've done it right. Or, true to form, Orville does it. You know, I don't see it happening. But that's proper answering the bell. You know, because I know that uh, Nasland and Conway are going to potentially have a, a conversation next time they play each other after the hit from Nasland. Um, and it was it. So the, the fans, it were just, oh, this is great, this is great. And I'm like, now, get get stuff. To then make things worse, Dops woke up. Because I'll be honest with you, watching the, watching the highlights from Manchester, I've seen it all from from put drop to the incident. That he, he'll not be playing in Nottingham. There'll be suspension. No, nothing. Okay, he's fine. He's fine. This is a, a, a fine. Three, four hundred pounds, whatever. Fifty quid and a, a bag of pick and mix from Marks and Spencers. That's okay. That's the bar the league's setting. I, we, we, we spoke, the three of us, about the hit from Dave Phillips, which wasn't banned properly in terms of the number of games. Um, I saw one in the Swiss League today, five games. Big, suspen- big suspension, big fine, job done. 
how it should be. If you want to make the games, if you want to protect the assets, which are the players, you suspend it properly. Anybody who's seen that incident, in, in terms of the level of punishment, so I'm not comparing the two, but the level of punishment, that happened five, ten years ago. Derek Campbell, 30, 40 odd games. And we're just doing it as a fine now? Not happy. But it gave Manchester something to cheer about. It, you know, fair play to him. It gave him something to, to hold on to for the rest of the season. Who knows? They may want to carry it on uh, for the next game. And if it gets in the crowds, who knows? Angry David. Just a car crash. Just a car crash of a game. That was the first time, episode nine, we got Angry David. <laughs> now, I'm going to completely disagree with you. I'll be honest. What was David Phillips expecting? Uh, a nice warm welcome in Altrincham. He should have known that someone was coming for him. And he should have been awake and alert for it. They got Chase Ruddy on the ice. He's uh, had a few fights this, already this season. He's done the crime. Expect the punishment. And I feel like Philip should have been more awake and stood up for himself. Maybe even if he just turtled, but Ruddy's got it all in him. And it got it got dealt with. Yes, I don't like the punches back ahead. Shouldn't have happened. But I also think with Dops doing the fine, they've kind of they've kind of said. If you make a naughty hit, you've got our answer for it. And I think that's why they've not given him a ban. Um, but yeah, is David Phillips that naive that he just thinks he's going to have an easy ride in Ultron that night? For me, no, he's got, he's got to be a bit more alert. I, I agree with you to an extent that he, he will know that something will happen. And, you know, he's, he's played long enough to know that. Yeah. For me, where I don't think it's done properly, he's playing the puck as the gloves are dropped. He's not, using words in different Dots videos, he's not a willing combatant. He's full front or jumped him. Uh, yes, I agree. He's jumped him, because obviously you usually get jumped from behind. But he has mugged him. But then he's got to be, come on. No, I, I understand where you're coming from. To me, if he, if he goes to him, cross-checks him and grabs him saying, right, time to answer. Do you know what? I'd say fair play, done proper. I just felt that weren't. To you, me, is this the end of it then? Do you think that's it? No. No. So you Because I suspect there'll be more because you what. And it's on the highlights. Uh, in, I think that was John O'Buller will commentate on the highlights or done the webcast, and I think he had a fun game to commentate on. There were just little more bits and bobs happening back and forth. There was one of the Manchester goals. Two players, Sheffield Manchester, have, have slayed and they've took each other out. Third Manchester player, he thinks he's seen something go some for the cross check, and then referees. There was a lot of referees jumping in, and five, six. You've got Rob Dowd grabbing two people at a time. You've got. Um, Earhart was relatively quiet, and that's his that's his bag. Yeah, I I can't see that being the end of it. No, and you, you to me, Manchester's biggest gate is Sheffield. No way is Finnett and Ginn going to be like, oh, do you know what? Let's try and behave ourselves. Let's try and do this. Any game is they sometimes sell out that with the, the Manchester Sheffield game, don't they? So they're not going to change their ways. But I, yeah, they, get, they normally get about fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I think New Year's Day. Um, they'll, they'll sell out, which is about two thousand two hundred. Which do you know what? I'm happy that they get gates to, that the games to sell out and everything. Um, and I suppose maybe you know it gives them that marketing tool to go come to the next one. Okay, so we're fifty fifty so far, obviously on uh, agreeing. I'm gonna go for the decided votes. Not that it makes any difference either way, but I'm more <laughs> David on this one. I think that yeah, there's a time to answer the bell. He made a he made a, a, a dumb hit, lazy hit, whatever you want to call it, in the previous game. He knew it was coming, but then why not just do it from the face-off with the guys facing him? If Freddie's on the ice, he had every chance to say to him that the puck drop, right, we're going to go. Right from, from the beginning, Phillips is going into the corner, his head's turned, and he's jumped him. And that's just, I thought, it, it could have been done in a better manner. But for me, the biggest thing that I think was <sighs> unbelievable was, I think it's a selfish play. The first seconds of the game, it cost them two goals early on. They were 2-0 down in a must-win game. Don't get me wrong, you can argue now that he did the right thing because they came back and they won the game anyway. If you know, We all know what Fennett was like as a player. We all know, obviously, how he runs his teams. I'm sure he's been gene him up all week to go and, you know, and get retribution and, and get Phillips at some point. I'm not convinced the first eight seconds is the time to do it, though. The 2-0 down on a power play, the game could have been over and then it wouldn't have taken him into the next night against Nottingham. Personally, if I'm a coach of a team that needs to win a game, 
I want my players going in, like, taking five-minute penalties in the first seconds of the game. I want to keep it five-on-five as long as we can, get some momentum. You know, he, he can always get Phillips at some point. It didn't have to be Saturday night. It could have been at some point down the line. You always argue, though, say, send the message, send the message. Not for, not in the first eight seconds. I think that was a dumb thing. And I think that for a guy that, yeah, he's supposed to be a tough guy. And he's obviously had a few fights. When he's gone toe-to-toe with people, he's lasted one punch with Mark Lewis twice. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think it was, a, it was a selfish play, personally. Okay, he then didn't cost them in the grand scheme of things. They won the game, and obviously they took it to the game on Sunday. But, yeah, I'm a bit more with David. I didn't like it. I agree with what Scott said. Um, I think this will help Manchester with their numbers because I think it also probably galvanise them. It'll give them that us against the world type attitude and get them making that building as, as hostile for away teams. Um, we'll not mention the, the fan stuff because we've said it too many times about social media and oh he said this oh she said that. And half of it's not the truth. So we're not going to that. Uh, I, oh, I won't anyway. Um, but if they make it hostile for away teams and make it difficult to play, Manchester years ago finished second, finished running up to, to Cardiff. So if they can get that building rocking and make it horrible to play in, like Fife, will only be in their advantage. So I think time will tell. This could be a long burner. And the next games against Manchester against Sheffield for Manchester perspective even more interesting it's made Manchester sort of for me come up on the radar I never really had any thoughts on Manchester good or bad they've always been I've always enjoyed going to Manchester as, as an away fan they're almost like kind of a a magnolia team in the league do you know what I mean they're not really going to sort of you know be, be the top end or bottom end of the, of the league they're just there and I've got to be honest with you I was hoping right through the group stages that they would not Nottingham out and Nottingham would come last and be the worst third place team but I saw some shocking things from their fans in recent weeks some of the things they were saying and I actually wanted Nottingham to beat them on Sunday not going to lie I was hoping that Nottingham would actually beat them which I felt dirty for thinking that but I just thought well you know Mickey Mouse Club Mickey Mouse fans I thought the weekend so all that Saturday didn't really give me anything in the grand scheme of things but yeah it was a bit of a bad couple of weeks I think for Manchester Scott, do you want to finish us off? Um, well, we all have to shut up anyway because it's um, Kyle Haas. He's the man with all the views. Oh, he's he's the one that uh, dictates the fans. Apparently, the Sheffield fans are a bunch of wankers. Now, some might think that, um, but yeah. So Kyle Haas has got his uh, say of the week. So I reckon any award for dumb plays, we're going to have to call it the Kyle Haas week. So. Sure, something will happen this Sunday, and then when he's bored at his new job, he'll have something else to say. Yeah, he had a house last weekend. I, I just didn't understand what his involvement were. Um, if he's that bored and he's trying to rile people that are a few thousand miles away, that says more about him. Yeah, he was going to get the bites. You do. There were some actually quite funny, amusing responses um, both ways, but didn't get that. A little bit dumb. He thinks he's pulling the strings, but no, he's not. Uh, to me, it makes no sense. So he's not even involving his team. He played five minutes in the league, whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? One season. And, you know, wait, wait, wait. one season. I've said that, Scott. Yeah, many people have said that about Sheffield fans. Um, yeah, some of it's true. Uh, about myself, you know, I've been called <laughs> it once or twice. We, we've called you that more than once. Probably. You've called me worse. Um, <laughs> well, the sad thing is, most is true. Uh, but you know, it's, every day. exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm outnumbered there. Then two v one on that one. I'll, t- I'll take it on the two. Loser, pipe down. <laughs> next, next. Yeah, we'll, we'll shut the gate on that one and we'll open the gate on the next one. Um, if you were at the hockey on Sunday and you was keeping your eyes on certain scorelines, in the second period in Belfast, I think everybody went, what the fuck? Final score um, was 9-3 to the Belfast Giants. 9-1 after the second period. I was hoping to God they'd hit 10. was getting the Len Goodman gifts ready to use. It was all set. 
They let me down. However, as capitulations go, I'm struggling to think, guys, of a capitulation that bad in over a period. Um, I've not watched the highlights. I've spoken to those who were there who watched the game. All said the same. It was like just a complete car crash. What what are our thoughts on on that capitulation? And I'll, I'll throw the question in. Because one of the comments that's been said to me by someone who watched it was it was the time where any of your problems as a club in terms of what's wrong or what's going wrong, the worst place for it to show and to be exposed badly was Belfast. Um, right, I will be honest, I wasn't actually following the game. I knew it was 2-1 after the first, I was cooking, and I had a text after the second saying, oh, it's 9-1. I had to like read it about three times. Nine one, really? <sighs> Let's be honest. As an organisation, Cardiff is is kind of geared to winning games. You're not going to win every game all the time. You're going to get beat by rival teams, but you're not going to get blown out. And I think for an organisation as, as professionally run as Cardiff is, where they give the players everything they need in terms of the best form of travel to, to, to lose a period 7-0 is unbelievable against one of your biggest rivals and I don't know what's gone wrong in that, that game that you go from the 2-1 scoreline going into the second period fairly tight I believe it was, was it 7 goals in the second period yeah and then I just can't imagine how a team as, as, as talented as that with as much experience as that hasn't at some point just 2 or 3 goals have gone in just pull them together. Just do something to change the way that the momentum was going. And I, I don't know what even to say. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I think they're very lucky, very lucky that Belfast maybe seemingly eased up a little bit. After nine goals in two periods, you, you'd expect 10, 11, 12, 13. And 9-3 sounds d- disgraceful. You add another goal onto that and make it double digits in a game against your biggest rival. That's just an absolute whooping. And I think that there should be a few bruised egos um, in that team at the minute because they've they've really embarrassed themselves in a game that, let's be honest with you, is always considered one of the biggest of the season. And if you've got any delusions of winning titles, OK, you can say two points is two points. But if you're Belfast now, you know you've got Cardiff. You've, you've beaten Cardiff in their home rink two or three weeks ago. You've dominated them at home. Psychologically, they've, they've got Cardiff. And I just think there's going to be a, a big ask for them to come back from that, I think. And it, may, it maybe needs to be a few sort of uh, decisions made, I think, in that organisation. One of the things I think they pride themselves on is they don't sack players. It's probably a good recruitment tool. It probably means players can come in and feel secure and relax and enjoy the experience and, and maybe perform their best as it allows some players to maybe take their job for granted, not have the fear of losing their job because... You, you can't be losing games like that. Yeah, having lost some recent games, like in Nottingham, some of the thing, okay, the scoreline wasn't as bad, but it's probably as bad a result because the way Nottingham were playing at the time. And I think they need to sort of, you know, find the character in, it, in the room that's going to sort them out because getting seven goals in a period in this league is unheard of, even for so-called smaller teams. Seven goals in one period, I just sh- shaking my head. is unbelievable. What do you think, Scott? Well, I didn't think Cardiff had a chance of winning the league anyway, but that, I think that just confirms it. Um, I didn't like how much of the team that Cardiff brought back, considering they won a two-week trophy. Let's face it, they Belfast weren't on that game in the final. Uh, Beskarani wasn't at his best, and it could have went either way. And they brought all these players back, and as John says, they know they not kind of know they're unsackable. Um, it, Matt Redstone, look, Matt Redstone might not have come back for multiple reasons. I don't know, but he, for me, was a great player on the back end for them. What they've replaced him with, I don't think's worked. And for me, bringing Joey Martin back was a big one because you kind of living on what he was previously, and I don't think he's the same sort of player because he's not got his old core there. He's not got. The Lords, he's not got the old boys, and there's a new group, there's a new first line in town. And I just think that it's not working. 
after the interview, Noddy Dupont looked like he was about to cry. I think he looked like he didn't know what to say. He was fuming. He was seething with that team. Um, and he did, he did call them out a little bit, but that's where I just think that Dupont came in last season as a, a big signing, didn't work out, injured, and then it didn't, and then he got the job. I yeah, and that's, that's a, that to me is, is the thing that surprised me because knowing obviously as many Cardiff fans I do and good friends of mine, he was the one name that literally came up every conversation last season that when the results weren't going great, who was the biggest waste of a space signing was Dupont because as you said, he came in as the first line centre, probably easily the, the best kind of career on a CV wise. Okay, you card many forecast injuries with he maybe injured coming in and I think people are kind of looking forward to seeing the back of him as a player so they they could maybe free up money to, to get a, a better replacement for him and when he got the job out of the blue like it did obviously it shocked a lot of people you know again kind of don't sack players so to sack a coach with what I think three games left in the league wherever it was just before the playoffs uh, I don't remember how many games it was and as you say he had a good weekend in Nottingham he won the playoffs which can't really argue, but I'm just not convinced he's the right guy. I think he's got not a lot of experience um, as a coach. Obviously, he was he maybe played five minutes of, of hockey in, in as a player. And yeah, the, the talk is he's he's like Andrew Lord in terms of he's a very hardworking, dedicated coach. He does video, which apparently Scaldi didn't do that, and he didn't do like the hours you know away from the rink. Supposedly Dupont does. But as you say, he looked completely lost yesterday in that interview. And I just don't see him on the bench looking like he knows what he's doing at times. And it's Cardiff's first sign of real adversity, isn't it, under this new ownership group? And the fan base are not used to that. So it's, uh, look, look, Cardiff are not rubbish. They're not, like, they've still got picked up wins. But when you lose to Nottingham, you can't get a win in Nottingham. That's three games that you're not going to get wins. The, mentally, in Belfast now, it's going to be a struggle. The Blaze have took them to most games. The Blaze have beat them a few times already this season. Where's their metal? Let's see. David, yeah. what are you thinking? I think there's a couple of things that have been mentioned that I agree with. I think the interview, I, I felt for him in the respect of he did not know what to do or say. Um, <clears throat> and any coach that's kind of been at the end of that type of shellacking, you're just like, what do you say? He's, he, he just didn't know it because you can easily talk your way out of a, a close loss, a one goal, two goal loss. You can talk your way out in an interview. How the hell do you talk your way out of that? How do you even answer questions like that? Because you, you kind of want to. Okay, let's just say he absolutely went to town and a phrase that's liked by many throw players under the bus. And the fans were like, oh, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? But at the end of the day, he's just coached the team that's had their asses handed to him and not just slightly. I just hope Belfast have the courtesy to pay for food afterwards. We'll say that. Um, Give them a cuddle afterwards as well. Oh, the, the, I think they needed more than a cuddle, mate. So, how does any coach respond to that? You know, you could easily say, you know, we were crap. End of. Next. Or you, you I just, I, he just didn't know what to say, and I did feel for him in that respect. I, I, it seems to think, what, what Scott said, there's, um, it is the first element of adversity, this ownership group, and I think there's going to be some, definitely some bruised egos, some some players that will be like twofold. Um, a will be hurt, but also if they decide to start making changes, are they the players that are now thinking, could it be my job that's on the line? And now it's it's the question of the metal, and it's does Cardiff have anything? to go to their fan base saying, yo, what, we screwed up badly in Belfast. Let's give him credit, no statement. I think we've had enough statements this season in the Elite League. Um, it's, they've got to show to the fan base, the new and the old, that this is a team that's worthy of that jersey and that will have that metal to go, we can compete. That was just one hell of a bad weekend or one hell of a bad game. But it's not the first time they struggled against Belfast, like you said. The game on, uh, in Cardiff that was on TV, um, they, they was awful in the first and they just they just managed to get back in the game. So I think 
it's going to. I think it could be an interesting couple of weeks in Cardiff. In particular, I'll, I'll, I'll throw John back into this. Given that the Continental Cup is around the corner, which could potentially be their lifeline. Yeah, maybe it's a bit of a distraction for them. I think it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bizarre situation to some extent because I think if you look at the the roster, look at the Brits for example. I think I'd argue Cardiff have got the best Brits in the league. You got like six current GB internationals. I think I'm right in saying there's no other team who every Brit is a current international player. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's the case. Um, so you, you know, you've got a good call to go with. You've got six current GB internationals. You've got a couple of experienced players who've played there a couple of times before. As you mentioned, a couple of guys got brought back. You you, you have this sort of question where these gaps in the squad are, are, are coming because you think you've got a a, a stud British goalie, which gives you technically an extra import, obviously skater as well. I think there's a couple of things they've done wrong this year. I think there's not a lot of depth, I think, beyond the top six. I don't see a lot of goals outside of the top two lines. Um, it's rare they don't go with spare imports. I don't know why they've done that this season. Okay, no money comes into play, obviously. It's, it's a massive contributing factor. Even some of the other teams lower down the league have, have had even a five, I think, of spare for a little while as well. So they haven't got a lot of room for, to, for, to manoeuvre. You've got a guy like Brandt. Everyone loves him. He skates around like an absolute racking ball. Is he a good enough player to play night in, night out? I'm not convinced, personally. I think that, well, he's a great little player. Maybe if you're going to... If you've got an extra maybe scoring guy on the fourth line, maybe that's a bit more of a quarter of the season and bring him in if he was a spare player. Um, yeah, I just think that it's a bit of a tough one, really, because you look at their team... On paper, the, the, the known players are more than good enough. A few players that have been brought in don't seem to have hit the uh, the ground running. Maybe the Connell Cup, especially, there's no travel involved. They're playing, obviously, three games at home in three nights. Chance to kind of get a little bit of pressure off them a little bit, because I suppose it's probably a bit of a, you know, pressure cooker situation then right now where they're going into games against the likes of... Nottingham and Belfast are losing and the fans are kind of going crazy. And as Scott, you said before, it's the first sign of adversity. I think a lot of the fans have been fans for a short period of time. They've never seen the team lose. They certainly wouldn't have seen some of the the, the, the previous years where you know, losing 7-0 periods would be no big deal. You you could probably get beat 7-8-0 on a regular basis. It's the first time certainly in, as you say, the, the new regime that has happened and I think that if they don't nip her in the bud, I think they're going to end up writing the season off already in November. They'll turn into Nottingham. And, and as an organisation like Cardiff doesn't accept losing, and they won't accept third, fourth place you know, finishes, which is what looks like they're going to get right now. Come end of November, we'll see what they're about. Like Cardiff's next game is away in Dundee. And banana skin territory, that is, I mean... Dundee, I'll tell you what, Dundee, um, we played on Saturday 4-0 four, four again in the first and they brought in that new import goalie and benched Briffin Priest and Priest came in and he was brilliant. So fair, fair fucks to Briffin Priest on that one. But yeah, uh, they've got Dundee. That, if they lose that game, wow, then they've got to play Manchester at home the next night who they've already given a little bit of a spanking to at the start of the season. If they don't then do that again, struggle in the Continental Cup, you never know. Look, Cardiff might win the next five games and we would get egg on our face, but something for me not, is not right. I think they've got to send a message. I think it's, it's all well and good, I think, being a club that doesn't sack players. And that's probably been a, a, a good way to recruit, a good way to treat people. But that works both ways. If players are not putting a shift in and players are not doing the job they've been brought in to do, Send a rocket up the arse and, and sack a player. Get the two or three of the guys who may be coasting at the moment thinking, hang on a minute, I'm not here guaranteed till the end of the season. I've got to like, put a shift in myself. And I think there's been, over the last six or seven years, at least one player on every one of those rosters, at least one, sometimes two or three, that I know for a fact the management were hating from early doors. They weren't performing and they'd moan about them. And rather than just get rid of the player... They'd bring a spare or two imports in and they just kind of rotate those guys in and out of the team. If the guy's not good enough to play or he's not playing like he's good enough to play, get rid of him. Bring someone else who does care. 
they will make a difference on the ice. And I think maybe it's time to then for them to maybe just sack a player and just say that it's not good enough. We're we're card if we win trophies, second, third, fourth place in the league is not good enough. And that's maybe an arrogant maybe way of looking at things. But that's what they're geared up to do. They've got all the tools they need. They give the players everything they need. They give them custom kit, great apartments, great travel. But they're just taking it a bit too easy right now. Maybe some of them are just coasting a little bit. You say that in terms of looking arrogant. I disagree. Because Sheffield's been called that for ages in respect of we're a team that expects to win. And yes, we kind of may go over the top in terms of our expectations and we tell people our expectations. But you set your benchmark. Sheffield, like Cardiff, everyone goes on about Sheffield not going to be the rivalry. It's always for me. It's always been Cardiff because they're the teams that win trophies. You look yeah. at the finals more often than not, it's Sheffield, Cardiff, either t- against each other or in the finals. Absolutely. You set Absolutely. your benchmark. Now I'm with Scott. I think the next five games, because I believe that's the the two games, mm-hmm. Dundee, Manchester, and the Conti Cup. I think that is going to determine their season, and I'll, this is why. I agree entirely what Scott said in terms of the banana skin. Manchester could have that fire in them to really, you know, send a few haymakers metaphorically to the Devils and, and get something out of that game. But the three games it, that they're hosting, they're at home, they are against teams that maybe one should theoretically challenge them. But if they can finish in the top two of that group, they make the Conti Cup final. It gives them a boost. Now there's no pressure because more often than over the last five, six years, British teams have made the final. And the only team that didn't, um, I Sheffield uh, and Nottingham. So we've, we've, the Britain now has a bit of a reputation of making that final. But if they can do that, they can. if they finish that tournament on the Sunday, knowing that they're in the final, the super final in January, that might just give them something to go, do you know something, guys? We've hit the bed beginning of the season, but we now have something to play for. Never mind the final, but that we can claw our way back into this. If we claw our way into the Challenge Cup, we have something to potentially play for. If we can somehow go on a run and start beating teams, start beating Belfast, beat Sheffield more, beat um, Coventry and Guildford, and start putting on a you know fifteen, let's say fifteen win streak, and that may just give them the mojo back. It could, it could easily be that, that this weekend or the next two weekends gives them out. Or, if it all goes horribly wrong, they could easily be, right, it's all signed off and we need to wait for two weeks in April, try and get something to salvage the season. And that ain't the Cardiff Devils. We can take the piss out of them for wanting to win and, and, be, and the fan base being proud that they win stuff and needing to be in the finals. But benchmarks are set for a reason. Belfast do it, Sheffield do it, Nottingham try to do it. Cardiff do. <laughs> Not even try, I like it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I disagree with you, arrogant, mate. You've Cardiff set a benchmark, and rightfully so. You look at the banners. Your history's there. Clubs with history like Cardiff, like Sheffield, it's there for a reason. That's the success. And yeah. that's where, and that, it, it does bring pressure. It will bring pressure. Because it becomes the expectation to continue to do it. And when you start like Cardiff have started, that's when people start going, this is not what we are used to. This is not what we expect. But like I say, I think these next two weekends could be the making or breaking of Cardiff season. They're capable of putting a 15-game streak together. They certainly are. You look at the roster, there's, we said alone, the Brits alone, the depth is ridiculous. You've still got a couple of top-end Brits. I don't think they've, they've kind of got the lines... Completely right from an outside looking in. They, they've juggled them around a little bit as well. They broke up the Sanford line a little bit, didn't they, to to try and get other people going. Maybe Brody Reid is not scoring as many points as many goals certainly as he was last season. Um, it's maybe sort of you know not quite uh, the same heights. But then as that's inevitable to some extent. Sometimes second seasons players do get a little bit found out a bit more. Um, but as you say, they, they've got a weekend now where they can just relax a little bit to some extent. There's not going to be the pressure of league points at stake. But it's all well and good, yeah, thinking of April, but that's a long time away. And if they don't could have come top two, top three, and they're not challenging, there'd be a lot of unhappy fans because, as you say, they used to win in now. Uh, as a time will tell with Cardiff, but a little notice of Belfast, 
there was talk of the struggling with the secondary scoring. Two of the nine goals of the first line. The other seven were from around the team. So, oh shit, they might have woke up. That's my point though. You don't see second, secondary scoring maybe that frequently in the Cardiff lineup. You don't see much on the line three and four. And that's fair enough at the end of the day. You're not going to have four stack lines of forwards all scoring points for fun. But you need, when the top guys have an off night, your top six and not getting the, the bounces or they get shut down, you need like line three and four to maybe deliver sometimes. And to some extent, they maybe have been, but not enough. And I think the big thing I think a lot of fans are a little bit disappointed with is, is the defence this season. They don't seem to rate the defence. Uh, the first game I saw, Crawford looked incredible at the start of the season. Um, and he's going to be quiet. And maybe that's where they're lacking a few goals from as well. He's on from the blue line, maybe. My last bit is I think the goalers need a bit more confidence. They're both playing without much confidence. And I think you see both of them with confidence, you'll see bits get better. Um, and the last bit I'll say about this, and especially the, the Conti Cup, if they make the final and win that, just a little wee carrot, CHL hockey. Just a little bit of a carrot for them. So time will tell on the Cardiff Devils. Um, Next for interesting viewing, because um, it's the side of them that we've not seen for some time. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see how, how it goes. Um, unless John and Scott have anything else to add on to that, we'll move on, unless John? Nah. No worries, we'll move on to the next kind of quick fire section, because we've got a few little topics that we'll, uh, we'll just bounce for very quickly. Um, Challenge Cup. We've joked about it already on this episode that's going on for far too long. I believe your game's the next weekend, Scott? Yeah, we've got to play um, Guildford on Saturday. Oh, you put me on the spot, yeah? This Apologies. Is... I think we play Guildford twice, don't you? Yes. we. Yeah, home and away. Sorry, home and away uh, this Saturday. So, by the third... So, we're, we're, for us, it's trying to get top spot. For Guildford, because I think if we get if we win one, we get top spot. One game, I think you're top. Yeah. By the 13th of November, the group stage is finally done with. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, yeah. A bygone age, you had the BNH Cup final, group stage, quarter semis final, done by the first week of December. BBC one. Absolutely. Sky Sports. Yeah. <laughs> um, guys. Too long or just right? The format. Shit. Absolute shit. Scrap it. If you want to, play, if you want to play the, keep the Challenge Cup because of revenue, get it done by December. Don't this game's dragging into February, March, and all that kind of crap. No, rubbish. Get it done. Eat it. I'm trying to, like, you know, bring a sort of reason debate, but no. Shit. Scott? Yeah, I mean, all the fans are bored of it, aren't they? It's, it's, how long we had these group stages for? The same teams? Is it three, four years? Um, I, just change it up. Like, if you have to travel to Belfast, then work it out. Like, and it swings in roundabouts. And sometimes five travelling to Belfast and then five travelling to Cov, it's, it, it, it's going to happen. You're in this league. If you're going to be in this league, this is what you have to do. Um, I wouldn't mind some difference in the rules and the laws and how the Challenge Cup is treated, but I don't have I don't have the the magic wand in what we do. But how many games do you think the Challenge Cup should be? Group stage. So we play what eight now, mm-hmm. and there's ten teams in the league. It's just bizarre, isn't it? I'm you could go back to, if you have to do it, you know, at the end of the day, you're never going to get something that's going to make all the management happy and whatever, the arena's happy. If you have to play like that many games, two groups of five, okay, maybe in the seven, eight games still. But not this crap like just getting two people out in the first stages. Two groups of five, top two go through. Next six, thanks for coming. You're done. And then straight from the, the, the two groups of, of five, semi-finals and a final. Otherwise, you end up having the same scenario. If you go to the top four teams qualifying, you go 
eight through. Do eight teams deserve to get through when you've played eight games? Not for me. I think two groups of five, top two go through, semi-finals, final, one-off, job done. So, right. you, but you're sticking with the eight games. Sorry, David, you're sticking with That's the eight good. games, though. Yeah. Because in that way, then even these the, the clubs are what the revenues. But then you. But still, what if you still... lose the first four or five? Then you're out, surely. You, you, you pretty much are now. Mm. Yeah. There's no, it's no ideal format. There's no ideal format because the, 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 the ten doesn't really divide properly, does it? Really, and then two sets of five, obviously. You know, this this groups of three, groups of two, whatever, groups of four, whatever you want to do it. Or just go straight knockout from the beginning. I, I'd go just your first home and away game is a group. So all of them in one group. And your first home and away game against each team counts to that group. So you have your league, that's all the games. But the first home and away game against each team is in a separate transcript group. All ten, one to eight. Do you mean have double-up games like before, where they play double-up yeah. games? Yeah. So you, the, the, the physically, your first home and away game against each opposition comes to that. I know, but the thing with those kind of games... They were, it won't happen. They tough. Because, like, say there's, there was a game and, you know, you need a point and... So you pull the goalie, you need a point for the Challenge Cup, and, 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 and you know, you, you draw in one all with a minute to go, whatever. You might sacrifice a point in the league. It's a tough one, really. We've seen a few kind of over the years strange, bizarre situations, Cardiff and Belfast particularly, where they wanted like they'd pull a goalie on a, the tied score line or a goal up because they wanted to you know bring bring back a goal for like the challenge cup element of it. I just think the whole thing's boring anyway. I know they need to bring more games, and I totally understand that. Something yeah, needs to mix up. Absolutely. I finance it. I would put the Challenge Cup forward as a package before the season starts and you give them give people a year's notice right we're changing the format uh, it's going to be two groups of five and it's going to be £10 for all your home games and you have to pay it, pay for it in advance so you pay for all your home games in advance put the 40 quid down because then you guarantee people that's two games isn't it really but you're actually mm. getting that revenue so if you give people a thing right we're all our home games, it's four games, 40 quid. And it's a bulk ticket. If you, do, if you want to buy an individual ticket, it's normal price. Mm. I think that it's, it's a topic that we really could go to town on in terms of the formats. The, I think John got it right. There's not one that's going to be perfect. Because one format would be good to get it out of the way. One format won't give the revenue. One format won't give a million one games, Sheffield Nottingham. No one's, not one will be perfect so I think it's a conversation that the league definitely need to have for me to make it better freshen it up um, let's be um, honest guys has anybody seen a, a tweet or social media post or anything one time in the last year saying I love the format no everyone says it's crap everyone all the fans say to them, I'm sure the players say play the same teams week in week out especially when you're like say Belfast and Dundee you play about 27 games against each other in the first like three weeks of the season and it's just boring and I just think that it was stale last year and I know they need to bring money and they really do but just just it's, it's their job to find a solution not the fans job to find a solution at the end of the day we shouldn't have to be debating this on here to try and work out what this league should do there's guys getting paid a fair bit of money in the league uh, to, to do a better job than what they're doing right now because they know the fans didn't have an appetite for it last season and they've just gone with the same thing again lazy yeah, I fully agree. Um, move on to the next quick segment. Um, this weekend, just gone, we've had the last of this year's NHL Global Series. Um, this this weekend was in uh, Tampere, Finland, in the, the fantastic Nokia Arena. reason we're mentioning it, because obviously we, oh, it's an amazing place, but the reason we're talking about it is because rumours of the NHL wanting to expand the Global Series. So at the moment, there's just two weekends uh, having about f- up to five weekends in different cities, including some different markets. And London was mentioned as one of the potential markets. I'll throw the question out and then the round table discussion. Would the Global Series do any positive to the game in this country or would it just be something nice to have? I think from our point of view, obviously it'd be nice to have. I'm not sure if it would grow the game enough. I think that you might get maybe a lot of 
Scandinavians, stroke Americans, Canadians, wherever living in London, they think, oh, okay, I'll see my favourite NHL team, you know, rather than having to travel. Uh, obviously, I've been lucky enough over the years to see many NHL games, obviously different venues and stuff, and I can't really even try to describe the difference in level of, of, of play compared to what we used to. I remember the first time I ever saw a game, even the warm-up, I was coming with the speed of the, of the game, even in warm-up. I just think, it, from a British fan's point of view, I'd love to see that sold out, and, and everyone who, who supports teams in the, in the Elite League, and IHL, wherever, and IHL too, having a chance to say, go down the road, okay, maybe it depends where you live. To me, it's a two-hour drive, wherever, to get to London, other parts of the UK is fairly local as well. It would be great to, to, to get British fans to get the opportunity, even if it's one time in their life, to see these NHL superstars playing. But then, again, it comes back to then, do you need a team in London again to, 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 to grow the game? We, we don't get enough media attention, and it's been said for years and years, there'll be a Wembley team or a London team, and it doesn't happen. And whether we like it or not, the British media is very London-centric, and I think that until we can get a team in the southeast that they can talk about and they can write about whatever in the in the media the game is just almost like going under the radar so maybe it would work look at the nfl guys there's no official league over here no you know, full-on professional league they get 80,000 fans to every game at wembley there's obviously an appetite for that sport yeah maybe it would take a while but i would be all for it from a selfish point of view i'd love to go what have you got? I'm all for it, but I'm not all for it being in London. I just, it's not, it's not a hockey place. Um, and I get it because it's advertisement, but I'd love it to be in a Manchester sort of area, uh, MEN or something like that. And just, because you're going to get, you're going to get fans that could travel there a bit more. And, you know, you're not paying the London prices and then you're going to have to pay stupid money for the ticket already. I think the, the ticket prices in Prague were scary from what they were because it's normally like £11 to watch a game in Prague and it didn't sell out in Prague. And that's why, because they put these they put these silly prices on it and it's just going to be a corporate shindig and I reckon the atmosphere will be flat as well because if it's, if it's £150 in London, I'm not going. I don't care if it's the NHL. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So a friend of mine was at the game this weekend and he said the atmosphere was completely different to his club side, he's um, an Ilvers fan. NHL games aren't renowned for atmosphere. In fact, the North American fans go over to Europe and European games because of atmosphere. So I think the atmosphere will not be um, something to discuss in that respect. Um, I think it'd be great. I'm with you in terms of the pricing though, Scott. Um, The cheapest ticket, I think, was... For Prague, I think it was £45. Uh, Tampere was 75 Now, if you consider that, uh, the O2 in Prague, uh, Sparta Prague tickets, when I looked for them going in January, was £8. It's a huge difference. Um, now, yeah, it's a potential once in a lifetime to see an NHL team in your country. But when you've got the obvious cost of living crisis that's happening around the world and, and everything going up around the world... Um, you kind of have to go, is is the, the 45 or the 75, is that really worth it for an NHL game in your country? Um, I think it would get the advertisement of the game in this country. I don't think it would help grow it. If I'm honest, I don't think it could do anything to grow it because I think it will highlight, oh, there's hockey in the UK. Forget the fact they've done well in the World Championships. It'd be like, oh, there's hockey in the UK. And I think that would be it. Uh, I was saying... You know, with the atmosphere. Yeah. I'm not saying, I know the NHL was poor, but if we had a game on TV and it showed a good atmosphere, I feel like it would wake a neutral up to go, oh, maybe check that out. Maybe check that out. But I, I think I'm grasping at straws. Would we love to see the NHL here? As you said, is it going to do anything for our game? Nah. I think previously it would have, but I don't think now it would. I, I think there's a, a distance to the NHL game. I think there's a bit more, and I go on based on, you see people on social media, whether they do hockey trips, that's not their club. You see more of them going to Europe now than save up to go into North America. You still see them. Would I still go to North America to watch Islanders? Yes, absolutely. 
but am I going to enjoy going to places like Munich, uh, Tampere, Prague, which is closer to get to, easy to get to, yeah, and it's cheaper to get to yeah. than North America. So I, I think there's a bit of a swing from the UK market towards the, the European leagues, which are entertaining if you're able to, to watch them online. Um, I highly recommend it, uh, although not this weekend because it's the uh, international break, um, which the UK aren't taking part in, but never mind. Um, Unless anybody else has got anything more to add to that, there's the next section, and that is the CHL. Champions Hockey League has changed the format from next season. Um, so they're reducing from 32 to 24 teams. Uh, each of the six founding countries have three guaranteed spots. Um, the winning team automatically going to the UEFA, so that country could have potentially four, with five wildcard spots. If the Continental Cup winner gets one of them, that means there's four spots, realistically, for wildcard teams. Um, format, different. Groups of four, but instead of... Sorry, so groups of six, because you play six teams, three of them at home, three of them away. Now, I say this tongue-in-cheek, Scott, um, but Ben and Matt, you know, John's seen his team in it a few times. Is that a preferred format or not? Um, I don't get it on the the basis that the British crowd go to the games uh, in the early stages. Um, Belfast, Nottingham and Cardiff have all had sold out rinks near enough. Whereas the guys in Sweden in the early rounds, they don't care. So, yes, they might beat us and all that, but commercially and for the funding... Just have your little breakaway league. It's like the European Super League, isn't it, with the, the football? I just don't get it. Um, I, I, it's not about ability normally. It's normally about money. And surely they're gaining more money having us little Brits in. Exactly. And also travel as well, let's be honest with you. When the British teams have gone away, they take way more fans to those places in Switzerland, Sweden, Finland, for example, than than in reverse. I think you nailed it there. I think it's very much like this sort of breakaway Champions League crap that they tried to put away, you know, the football guys a few years ago. We're too good for you now. We don't want you in our, you know, in our competition. Um, I think David and I spoke before that tonight. I think GB will get a representation and will probably be okay to get a wild card spot. I think where we as a nation may struggle a little bit is okay, I mean, we struggle to get in the top two anyway, let's be honest, it's a very hard ask, Nottingham, to be fair, did it. The way that I understand the, the, the new structure to work out now, the games will kind of count right till the end now, so you're not likely to be playing, say, I don't know, um, Avaqua, for example, or whoever, with two games to go when they qualify, so they send a third goalie over and you might sneak a result against them. So game one to game six is probably going to be difficult as well. So the chances of the qualifying are probably even more remote. On the flip side, does it make it a bit cooler to go to more than one place? I, I, I don't know. It, it just it just seems very much uh, looking after the big boys and, and then sort of everybody else, really. Which is a shame because I may have mentioned it once or twice, I quite like the CHL. But this is the first time I've seen any changes. I thought, no, this is a little bit, uh, you know, fuck you to everybody else, really. I remember years ago when, when Sheffield was drawn with for London, their general manager was interviewed by the CHL media Six team. And one of the comments he made was it was as important for a competition to be competitive for the market of the, the founding countries as to grow and help grow the game in the, he called it the challenge countries, the, the other teams that get the one, the countries that get the one spot. He said it was as, as important to do both. And I, Yes, to get the variety, I don't feel they do both, um, which is a shame. You know, everyone says, you know, the Conti Cup's better. It's a better weekend away, don't get me wrong. Um, I had some good weekends with the Continental Cup, but the CHL's your pinnacle. And it does feel like we're, we've limited it to those who weren't fans of the six countries that founded it, which is a shame. Um you know, maybe instead of limiting it and trying to make it more competitive, actually sell the product to the fans to go, do you know what? Come along. I think one of, I think it was, uh, 
who was it? Who, who press played? Cardiff. That actually they never sold a ticket. They just said it was free entry, and they still got two thousand out of a six seven thousand seated place. And you're like, why? Salonda actually tweeted a fair few times on the on when we played there, saying you've got to come to the game because we're going to be outsung by the British, and that can't happen. You have to come along. You have to do it. You've, you've got to do it for Falunda. Change attitude. Sell it to the fans. Say, you know what? Yes, it's not the SHL, the SM Liga, the DL, but it's a competition that's worth winning and it's worth watching. And maybe they missed a trick in actually getting them to fully be on board. I think the teams do get fully on board as they get further on in the tournament, but not the beginning. I think you're both right on that. I think it's a backward. I must admit, I do think it's a backward move, which is an absolute shame. It really is, because at the end of the day, I think the format now, it gives a British team an, an outside chance of maybe getting top two. Okay, it takes a little bit of luck early doors. You need to maybe sort of sneak a win in the first maybe two games at least, and then try and catch the qualifying team like for London. You catch them on a bad night on game five or game six, just to nick that point or two points you wouldn't have got early on in the competition. I just think that takes that chance away now, and it just means that the gap's going to get even bigger. But by that being said, I think whichever fans get to travel to it whichever teams qualify they'll have a great time but I just think in terms of competition we're just getting further and further away from having a chance to try to succeed in it in, in the future really unfortunately but time will tell in t- indeed time will tell as it always does so I think we've, do- we've done that topic to death and we'll, we'll move on to the last segment which is now the end uh, the too good too bad um, gentlemen, what's been your too good, too bad? John. Okay. Um, as I said, I didn't watch much hockey this weekend, admittedly. So, too good, too bad. I'm going to go for too good. Storm getting knocked out last night. And uh, I really was dis- disappointed with, again, with the fans behaved and obviously Mr. Ruddy as well. So, I kind of went literally 180 where I wanted to happen before the weekend to so being glad they went out. Flames. Flames fair play to Guildford. Losing in five, as I mentioned earlier, they came back and they had a four-point weekend as a team that's going to knuckle down, and, and obviously they, they got a, a good four-point weekend. Um, but 7-0 period, Cardiff Devils. That doesn't even sound right. I mean, even if 5-4 Dundee shipped seven goals in a period, it would be sound crazy, but Cardiff Devils, seven-goal period in Belfast. Um... I did have another one for a second, but I can't think what it was. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, I think just another shocking weekend of social media, um, Twitter warriors, and I just thought, do you know what? I need a few days away from Twitter because there's so many people just being a dick on there. And I haven't been on it for a couple of days because I'm just fed up with seeing people just winding up and just being a knob. So, yeah, my second bad is just Twitter knobs. Scott? Uh, first too good is Mitch Cook for the Coventry Blaze, actually smashing the points production, playing really well. Uh, brought him in back end of last season, and he's one of the only returning imports, and he's hit the ground running. Uh, second too good, sorry, it's Blaze friendly this week. Uh, Pavel Holzer getting his first shutout. Uh, he had a couple of tough weeks, weekends, last couple of weekends, and letting a few goals that he probably would have wanted back. So he got, four over the weekend, 46 shots face, only conceding one. Uh, so, yeah, well done, Pam. Um, too bad. Cardiff. Wake up. Uh, second too bad is Dundee again, I'm sorry. Um, you brought in this new import goalie and you... Through Mr. Priest to the Wolves, you didn't even name him on the bench the other week. And he came in over the last two nights and he was their best player. So well done, Mr. Priest. Obviously, but not the way they treated him. Uh, my too good um, is goalie centric. Uh, I'm going to start with Greenfield, Sheffield. Not many people um, spoke about him in terms of the, the top end goalies. But he's playing more than a top end goalie at the moment. He's uh, another shutout. Appreciate against a, a tough five side, 
um, never give up, but he's, he's making some really big performances and, and some big saves when it's mattering at the moment, which Sheffield didn't have last year, if truth be told. The other one, in my humble opinion, the sluttiest pads seen for quite some time in this league, Shane Owens. Oh my lord, they are beautiful. Just slut written alone, and I love it. I'm here for it. More goalies need to have that level of detail in their pads. I've not seen them. Talk to me. Oh, so his old one was the white with a Fife logo. They've reversed the colours, so it's a dark blue. And they've just got the, the colouring, it just matches it just better, it just pops out. It's just, yeah. And that is the goalie speaking in me, but they are the, the best looking pads in the league. So that's my too good, too bad Manchester, surprisingly. Um, I've not may have mentioned it a bit that I was irritated with how it all went. Can't not mention Cardiff. As much as you laugh as a non-Cardiff fan, that was bad. Um, and it will be interesting to see how they respond to that one. Um, so yeah, that's my too good, too bad. Um, and that's the end of episode nine. We are um, on socials. Again, our Instagram, Twitter, at 3on3podcastuk. Facebook, 3on3podcastuk. There's a bit of a theme there. Um, and like I say, a thousand listens, and we're, we're spreading the good word around the world. We are now getting to different countries. So um, to anyone who has listened to our podcast so far, a huge thanks. Uh, and we hope you continue to listen to us. And them Guildford fans, keep coming back. Now we know you exist, keep coming back. Um Gents, thank you very much for your time as ever. Um, John, Elder of the Parish. Thank you, although I must be fair, I've never seen a guy get so excited about hockey equipment before. I mean, whatever turns you on and stuff, don't get me wrong, but you would literally... Get goalies looking like in a, a conversation man. about pads, then you'll see it. You were a very excited man there, to be fair, and it was beautiful to see. That was like Scott levels of excitement, to be fair, when after a four-point weekend. You know, how be- you know how beautiful they are, how good them pads are? It's on par with the coat. I saw the pads, but I didn't have the same, like, you know, physical reaction in parts of my body that you seem to have had over the last couple of days, to be fair, you know? Equally. I'm a goalie, I'm a only human, mate. Yeah, but they're... <laughs> I don't know. Dave, yeah, I, I'll never understand it, mate, but take it again, each to their own, whatever turns you guys you're on. You guys, what are you doing in your locker room with your pads and stuff? It's not my business, really. But yeah, I'm glad you got excited about it, though. Uh, and Scott... Thank you for your time this evening, as ever. No problem. Um, big game against Sheffield Wednesday, so let's go. Let's go to game. Play football, are you? Fuck off. Is it a big game against Sheffield Wednesday? Look, just because you've not it's mentioned Cardiff City. Yeah, I, I, yeah, if we're banning football, let's ban the football. Don't bring no. football back into it. No, you don't, eh? Blazer playing Steelers Wednesday night. Yeah, on, t- on TV as well, yes. On TV. Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. No, we're playing Sheffield on Wednesday. Let's go Steelers, is it? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we'll for you. We'll, right. we'll promote it. Let's go Wednesday. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, on, on the uh, on, oh, you will, this will be released beforehand, um, so um, you'll have the dulcet tones of Aaron Murphy and Paul Lady uh, commenting on that. And on that bombshell, we'll close the gate, and that's it for another episode of the Free and Free podcast. <laughs>